More threats, more intimidation, more price increases, shortages, spiking taxes, and our leaders are swimming in lies. You need real clarity. You need the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your leader is Dan Newman. Do you remember that song we played here, I guess, maybe a month ago, by Billy Preston? Will it go round in circles? His song is so appropriate to what we're living in today. And listen, we're, we, we, we just need to get together. We need to figure all this stuff out. And guess what we're going to do today? We're going to do just that. Thank you for joining us on the Thursday chapter of Truth News Network's produced online streaming radio show. Now that's a long, long way to put it. We're on the internet, folks. TNN Live. Thank you so much for being here. Boy, let me tell you, we're in store for something that is going to curl your hair if you're unlike me and have hair to curl. It's amazing when we always look at things happening around us and they don't just quite add up. You know, A plus B is always supposed to equal C. And we're finding out that based on the things that we've been told about a lot of this Ukrainian war stuff, we may not have the facts In fact, I will tell you this, when we get through this show today, you're going to be very comfortable to be able to say, we don't have all the facts, and the facts have been misrepresented to us. Hmm, what could that be about? Well, it does have to do with Ukraine, and it has to do with the United States, and it has to do with evil politicians. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But back to Ukraine. But let's circle back. Just this note, before we get to Ukraine, guess what happened? Reported just minutes ago, inflation. A new high as consumer prices jumped 7.9% last month. That's the highest in four decades. The Department of Labor said the consumer price index rose 7.9% compared with a year ago. Prices up 0.8 compared with the prior month. Ninth straight month of inflation in the U.S. above 5%. Nine straight months inflation above 9%. And just in case you forgot, those nine months, they all were when Joe Biden was president. The Economist had forecast a consumer price index to rise by 0.7% for the month. 7.8% compared with a year ago. And they missed it. And they missed it on the wrong side of reality. And of course, this morning already, the stock market kind of sensed it was going to be something like this. And the market's down. The market was down uh, about 3% right before we came on the show. There's so much unknown stuff, so much fear in pretty much every part of our lives. And people, as you can imagine, are making decisions based upon assumptions that we make when we look at the news and the information that we're given. But folks, maybe I don't need to say this, but I will. The news is not always right. (laughs) News people 
have a tendency to inject opinion into their so-called news stories in which they're just supposed to give us the facts and trust us to be able to intellectually absorb the facts and vet the facts and at the end of it, get some kind of consensus that we're okay with, believable. We don't see that anymore, but I can tell you this, every news story, every so-called fact that I hear given to me on TV, radio, or in writing, I don't trust any of them, so much so that I go find out if they're telling me the truth. That's something we're going to dig into really deeply in just a minute. Let me tell you what's coming up. At the bottom of this hour, for those of you just now tuning in, at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour, 9 o'clock central time, I guess about 26 minutes from now, we are going to dive into a factual representation that you're going to hear played out. It won't come from my lips. It's going to come from somebody that is really proficient at digging in and getting facts. It's about 15 minutes of mind-blowing actuality regarding what's going on in Ukraine. First time I heard about it was overnight. I heard some questions about it for the last couple of weeks. And of course, the fact checkers are out there and you know how it is. Somebody throws something out there and it just doesn't, it doesn't seem, you know, nice. It doesn't seem smooth. It doesn't seem American. And you question it. And of course, then the fact checkers come in. Oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. Don't listen to that. We would never get involved in anything like that. It's propaganda from the other side of whatever issue we're talking about at the time. That's exactly how this one developed. So don't you dare miss it. This probably is the most important story for you to get your arms around, your head around, your ears around, whatever that you'll see and hear or read for the next months, maybe a year or so. Wow, what's it about? Find out at the bottom of the hour. So what else is happening? Have you heard this statement, I don't want to ride, send me some ammunition? That sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? I don't want to ride, send me some ammunition. If you don't already, you'll understand in just a moment what that title was about. Our world, obviously, is consumed with news about the Russia invasion of Ukraine. Let's be honest. We've been watching 24-7 reports of the greatest human interest stories, good and bad, the military tragedies, and the humanitarian horrors of this century. News from Political experts fills our eyes and ears with story after story explaining why Russia's President Vladimir Putin decided to invade the largest geographical part of the former Soviet Union. Why is he doing it? Simply put, Putin wants Ukraine back and he wants to restore the motherland, the Soviet Union, to its original borders. At this very minute, you can, through doing a simple internet search, find a hundred or more explanations for why Putin is slaughtering thousands of Ukrainians indiscriminately. Yes, men, women, and children. The pictures and videos from yesterday show Putin actually bombed a maternity hospital that was full of women and babies. The reports of the dead are still coming in. We do know one of the dead was actually a newborn Ukrainian baby. 
One can only imagine the newborns, pregnant women, this impacted that we haven't heard about yet. Putin's doing this gives every person watching or listening to all this a lump in their throats. His doing this defies logic. It supersedes any earthly comprehension. Just for a moment, pause and put your speculation to the side. Let's logically consider and analyze real reasons and solutions for what's going on over there. It'll be heartbreaking to do so. But for everything, there is a season and there's a purpose. Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, too, has both. No matter how much war we have watched or even participated in in our lifetimes, it's virtually impossible to reconcile the horrors that true war rains down on the people caught up in it. We're all in shock when we see the pictures of thousands of Ukrainians who are dead or dying with unmentionable wounds in unspeakable circumstances. It's impossible to choke back the tears watching inhumanity being thrust upon innocent citizens in Ukraine. And the question of why bombards the heavens as people of 191 other countries too are struggling to understand how this could happen. It did happen. It still is happening. After months of Putin building up tens of thousands of troops near the Ukrainian border and a series of failed diplomatic talks, Russia now waging a full-out war on Ukraine. How did we get there? Well, let me take you back just a few weeks. Tensions escalated quickly. Back on February 21, you may not have seen or heard about it, but Putin delivered an hour-long combative speech that essentially denied Ukrainian statehood. He recognized the independence of two breakaway regions in eastern Ukraine where Moscow had backed a separatist rebellion since 2014 when they they took Crimea and sent so-called peacekeeping forces into the region. Experts said that was likely just the beginning, setting the stage for a much larger conflict. Then days later, that larger conflict materialized. We're in the middle of it today. On February 24th, Putin announced he was launching an assault to defend people who for eight years, his words, are suffering persecution and genocide by the Kiev regime. That's a reference to a false claim about the government in Ukraine. He demanded Ukraine lay down its weapons or be responsible for the bloodshed. Soon after that speech, reports emerged of explosions around cities, including Kharkiv in eastern Ukraine and Kiev, the capital. The Ukrainian foreign minister called it a full-scale invasion. Russian troops and tanks entered the country on three fronts by the afternoon, from Belarus in the north, from the east of Ukraine and the south. The Russian military has targeted during this conflict critical infrastructure like airports with airstrikes and has launched more than 400 missiles as of the first of the month. As a senior U.S. defense official said on February 26th, there's no doubt in our mind that civilian infrastructure and civilian areas are being hit as a result of these barrages. The main battlefronts now, they're in Kiev's outskirts in southern Ukraine, including the major city of Marupol and in eastern Ukraine around Kharkiv, the country's second largest city. They had maximal war aims, 
This came from Michael Kaufman, a research director in the Russia Studies program at CNA. He said that in an interview posted on Twitter. They had a military operation that's now in progress, first to try to achieve regime change, encircle the capital, and try to overthrow the Ukrainian government. And then a much larger set of pincher movements to encircle and envelop Ukrainian forces, try to do this quickly, and force the surrender of isolated pockets of the country. But the Russian army hasn't been able to roll over Ukrainian forces. And some analysts have suggested Moscow may have been surprised at Ukraine's resistance. Pentagon officials said that. As of March 4th, Russia has committed about 92% of its entire combat power so far. Ukraine's airspace remains contested. Samuel Cherup, a senior political scientist at Rand Corporation, told the panel of reporters that Russia's military performance has been odd. In other words, some of the things that I would have expected, like the Air Force taking a major role, haven't happened. Seems to me, he said, there was a lot of war optimism in a sense that the Ukrainian government would fall with just a little push. And that didn't happen. He said, I wouldn't read too much into that about the ultimate course of the war, though. This is still a situation where the deck, fortunately, is unfortunately stacked against the Ukrainians despite their bravery. The toll of this conflict is growing. The U.N. has said that as of March 6, more than 350 civilians have been killed. Hundreds more have been wounded. Ukraine's emergency services put the civilian death toll at 2,000 people. And that was as of March 2nd. Ukrainian officials have said about 11,000 Russian troops have been killed in the fighting as of March 6th. But American and European estimates of Russian casualties have been much lower. The Russian government has reported nearly 500 soldiers have died. Experts said all these stats should be treated with a great deal of caution because the fog of war and the incentives both Russia and Ukraine have to push a particular narrative. And here's that question again. Why is Putin doing this? Well, he answered that question. Putin's clear answer to the why came in a speech delivered in late February. We told you about that speech. He believes that Ukraine is an illegitimate country that exists on land historically and rightfully Russian land. Ukraine actually never had stable traditions of real statehood. That's what Putin said in that speech. The overtures to us over here in the West from the current government of Ukraine are an attempt to stand up to this false regime as is its antagonistic stance towards Moscow. This combination, an anti-Russian regime in what Putin views as rightfully Russian territory populated by rightfully Russian people, is unacceptable. Ukraine might have remained a sovereign state so long as it had a pro-Putin government. That's from Siva Gunitsky, a political scientist at the University of Toronto, reuniting the lands formally would probably not have been at the forefront of the agenda if Putin felt he had enough political support from the Ukrainian regime. The speech is consistent with a body of statements from Vladimir Putin going back years, ranging from a 5,000-word essay on Ukrainian history published last year all the way back to a 2005 speech 
in it declaring that the collapse of the Soviet Union was a major geopolitical disaster in which tens of millions of our co-citizens and compatriots found themselves outside Russian territory. So stating it simply, Vladimir Putin, a heavyweight from the secret Soviet police, the KGB, longs for the way it was to complete his dream of going back to the dark days of totalitarianism that were a whole lot nastier than today's communist light in Putin's Russian means no Ukrainian, no Russian soldier, no Russian citizen is safe from the despot's elimination to achieve that dream. We're two weeks into this invasion. And by the way, Putin thought it would be ended. And at the most three days, he thought he could take it in 18 hours. We're two weeks into this invasion. Fighting has accomplished very little, if any, other than the deaths of several thousand, destruction, which costs are uncountable, and the displacement of now 2.2 million Ukrainians. Putin must be the most frustrated of Earth's 192 countries' leaders. You know that it is certain that Russian President Putin asked that same question. Why? Why the heck did I do this? The answer is simple. It's very simple. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president. There have been some times in history when people have been thrust into incredibly intense crises and surprised the world with their remarkable courage, their determination, their leadership out of those crises. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is one of those times. And Ukrainian President Zelensky is one of those leaders. His journey as a comedian and an actor playing the president of his country on a TV show to rallying and leading his people against Russia in President Vladimir Putin's unprovoked war is unusual, to say the least. But how well Zelensky has met and surpassed the challenges of the escalating crisis there has been riveting. I mean, folks, we're watching it 24-7. You can stay up all day, all night, and watch television. You're going to see constant reports out of Ukraine. Zelensky demonstrates the true leadership of a world leader we've not seen in a long time. In fact, I can't name another leader in power in their country today who can claim to have done this, done what Zelensky's done. He's drawing from a well deep within himself, showing the entire world what courage and commitment look like as he leads Ukraine through a crisis like no other. His family is demonstrating incredible courage as well. Based on what is happening day by day, minute by minute, the entire Zelensky family seems to revel in living what dad is preaching. Zelensky is a master of one-liners. Those short statements of this leader are filling headlines around the world every day, giving all who read or hear them pause. Those statements, those quips, those one-liners will be historical. Now, speaking of history, one historian phrased it this way, 
President Zelensky is a prime example of what it means to lead by example. There are times to lead from the back, directing people and resources accordingly, but the best leaders are up front, leading the charge more often than not. He's not expecting anyone to do anything he wouldn't do himself. His actions speak more than words can ever accomplish. In my opinion, his love for his country and people can never be questioned moving forward. His courage and bravery to face this war head-on is inspiring, not just to us watching overseas, but more importantly to the people of Ukraine and the soldiers that are fighting for their country. All of this capsules why an overwhelming majority of the 43 million Ukrainians caught in this dilemma are not running in circles trying to figure out solutions for their unprovoked and unearned horror. They found a leader who is actually leading his people. Go figure. Zelensky is giving them something scarce among world leaders in conflicts like this throughout history. And what is he giving them? Faith and hope. And Zelensky draws his faith, his faith from within. He's not a paper tiger. There is substance there. His people know it. The world media know it. And so does Vladimir Putin. It's easy to identify a real leader by watching how they react to hurdles they face, not by simply listening to what they say. You know that old saying, don't tell me you're a good leader, show me you're a good leader. History books are full of the stories of leaders, true leaders. Volodymyr Zelensky certainly has already earned a spot on that historical leader page. I guess his entertainment comic career taught him how to impact with his spoken words. As Ukraine's president, he's given a plethora of memorable one-liners. His greatest, at least so far, is the first of his missives that has riveted the entire world. Quote, I don't need a ride. Send me some ammunition. I don't need a ride. Send me some ammunition. This one-liner was in response to a message from our government that we would provide transportation for him and his family to safety at the very beginning of this. He rejected the gracious offer very kindly while quickly asking for more weaponry for his military. Leaving the battle certainly was a life-preserving way out of the certain tragedy that might lay in his path. And that could be and is very likely going to be death. But Zelensky declined. That's what real leaders do. They recognize their call and they follow through in fulfilling it to completion. We see that far too seldom today, and it's refreshing to hear such a response, especially seeing that leader then push forward, fulfilling that calling that may result in the loss of his own life in doing it. Remember, Vladimir Putin has publicly declared his Ukrainian mission number one is to kill Vladimir Zelensky. Zelensky's story will be taught for generations to come in European history, if not world history. Regardless of how this all ends, 
He'll take a place right beside the Churchills, the Lincolns, the Eisenhowers, and the Washingtons in our history. When facing the horrible conditions in which they stepped into, facing certain death at the hands of those hell-bent on their elimination, each of those four leaders we mentioned shared the same foundation on which Volodymyr Zelensky stands today, the foundation of freedom and its preservation for the people each felt responsible for. And their commitments were total and without reservations. Show me you're a leader. Don't tell me you're a leader. In my world, in my lifetime, 68 years, I can remember no other such world leader other than maybe Ronald Reagan. Remember he stood at the Berlin Wall and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. That began the fall of the Soviet Union. Now some will say that my stating that is demeaning the current U.S. president, our president Joe Biden. Biden has indeed told us quite often that he's our leader. And as our elected president, he certainly holds that title for a few years, even if he does not show us his leadership. Volodymyr Zelensky has not been quoted, at least that I can find, talking about his leadership. No one can successfully argue that he is not leading the Ukrainian people. For me, I'm adopting an objective for myself for every time in my life I have ahead. Anytime I'm confronted with a serious problem that could be fatal, instead of looking for the easy way out, even when there's an easy way out right in front of my face, I'm going to choose the right way to deal with whatever problem lies before me with one sole objective, to win. If it's a battle and I don't have the elements necessary to win by myself, I'm not going to choose the escape to get away from the battle. As a Christian, folks, I'm reminded what God promised me and every Christian. Anytime we face a challenge that needs certain elements, certain parts, To successfully win? Whatever resources are necessary to win that battle, we either already have or we will be given those at the right time. Volodymyr Zelensky's responses to the U.S. way out for the Ukrainian president and his family parallels my response to my future challenges. I don't want to ride, send me some ammunition. Obviously, we all think a lot about Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. He's put it out there. He's put himself out there, and he's leading from in front. What's going to happen? I don't know about you, but I'm looking in every day, praying every day. God will protect Volodymyr Zelensky and all the people of Ukraine. Now we're going to shift, we're going to shift here. We're going to move over and talk to you. If you weren't at the top of the show, got a earth-breaking story that just blew me away during the night last night. 
when I realized what it is. It, it has something to do with Ukraine, but it's even deeper than that. We're going to weigh into that right after this. Don't you miss it. Back in just a moment at TNN Live. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes! Cool. You okay with this? Yes! And this? And what about this? Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes! M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. No better way to start a day than getting facts. As a matter of fact, every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, at 6, PM, 6 a.m. Central, I start my day in a 30-minute prayer meeting, a group of brothers and sisters, and it's really refreshing that I come back to the house, and before I go into the studio, I'll drink a cup of coffee and think about what's coming up for the day. I haven't done that. I, this show's been going for two years now, and I've done it pretty much every day during that uh, two-year period. But folks, it would have been a good idea for me to do that kind of combination to start every day my entire life. Find some habits. Find some things. We all have habits, but find some that are very good for you, that feed into you rather than take from you in the way of your attention and energy. Everything worth having is worth hurting for. So what does that mean? Well, that's a country song that my brother wrote actually years ago. But what it really means is anything good, there's something worth paying to get that good, even if it's just understanding about a way of life or something to do or something not to do. You can't ever get them. Too many facts, too much truth, can you? Speaking of truth, pretty much we know that our government is involved in a lot of things that are maybe a little greasy, 
you know, maybe, maybe not illegal, maybe illegal, but right on the borderline. And every once in a while, one of those things pops its ugly head up and starts getting some news time. Well, there have been some um, conspiracy theories floating around the blogosphere for the last few weeks. Not a long time, but just the last couple of weeks. And those all center around, center around some biological research that's going on and has been going on in the nation of Ukraine that we, the United States, were involved in, specifically the CIA. And of course, when those first came out, everybody in the Biden administration, everybody in the Defense Department, the State Department, everybody began to scream and holler, that's all conspiracy theories. There's nothing like that going on. The fact checkers even came out and said, no, 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 those are conspiracy theories. We're the fact checkers, you know, Snopes.com and PolitiFact and some of the others that, by the way, are owned and lorded over by our political bureaucracy. Well, guess what? It appears, now let me backtrack. It doesn't just appear. Factually, we have found out not only are there, were there, have there been biological laboratories in Ukraine We are the sources of them. We have been funding them. And guess who knew about it? Russian President Vladimir Putin. And guess what it is likely was being done in, if not all, of those, listen to this number, 30 biological laboratories in Ukraine may have been bioweapon research. Now, this broke several weeks ago, but not in deep detail, but it exploded yesterday. Last night on Fox Tucker Carlson's show, he waded into the middle of it. Now, let me tell you, here on this show, we play audio sound bites, usually from uh, press conferences, people giving testimony, things that are pretty important, and most of those are, at the longest, a couple of minutes. This is such an important thing and so important for you to hear the facts from the horse's mouth, which you will and what you're about to hear. Tucker had several people on this show giving actual testimony about this. And so I, I debated, should, should, should I play this? It's 15 minutes. Let me tell you what, if you're a truth seeker, if you're looking for reality on which to make some uh, decisions in your life, you all need to hear this. And if you can't stick in and listen to it now, make sure you, you go to one of our uh, blog sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, all the others, and pick this up. 30 minutes into today's show. Listen to this truth coming from Tucker Carlson on Fox News. If you had told us just four days ago that the Biden administration was funding secret bio labs in Ukraine of all places, we would not have believed you. Yeah, I don't think we're going to put that on TV. No, thanks. Then if you told us that not only did the administration fund these secret bio labs in Ukraine, 
but that they then failed to secure the deadly contents of those labs before the Russian invasion, an invasion they knew was coming, an invasion they helped encourage. If you had told us that four days ago, we'd have dismissed you as a nut. It was just too preposterous. We would not want anything to do with a story like that. There was no way it could be true. It's too far out. In any case, we already knew for a fact that that story was false. How do we know that? Because we read USA Today, America's newspaper. Within hours of the Russian invasion, USA Today published a rebuttal to all those crazies who are yammering on about secret Ukrainian biolabs. Here was the headline. Fact check. False claim of U.S. biolabs in Ukraine tied to Russian disinformation campaign. So if you look carefully at the story, and we did because we were interested, you notice that this fact check was sourced to Ukrainian government unnamed officials and then Biden State Department officials. So these were not exactly objective sources on this subject. But still, the story seemed definitive. It was totally emphatic. Quote, Russia has teamed up with China to further amplify the false claim of U.S. labs in Ukraine. Okay, USA Today says it's Russian disinformation. Maybe it is. On to the next story. But the fact checks didn't stop. That was weird. We kept seeing the same fact check again and again. It was almost like, despite endless official clarification, some people refused to believe the Biden administration. They preferred Russian propaganda instead. And we assume they must be QAnon members. We assume that because Foreign Policy Magazine told us that. According to Foreign Policy, QAnon, whatever that is, was frantically disseminating, quote, false claims of U.S. biowarfare labs in Ukraine. Those labs obviously didn't exist. It was all just another lie from the Russians who lie for a living. Then the European Union weighed up, weighed in, throwing its credibility behind the same claim. These are conspiracy theories, the EU told us. They're lies spread by Putin. An EU spokesman then reminded us that, quote, the credibility of information provided by the Kremlin is in general very doubtful and low. And that was good to know. Quote, Russian disinformation has a track record of promoting manipulative narratives about biological weapons and alleged secret labs. Yeah, we're not going to do a segment about secret labs in Ukraine. The last thing we want to do on this show is traffic in Russian disinformation spread by QAnon. So we took a pass on that story. And that's where things stood until yesterday when we happened to tune in to a hearing of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Toria Newland was testifying, so we were interested. Newland's one of the people who brought us the Iraq War, never apologized for that, and kept getting promoted because that's how D.C. works. Toria Newland is now Joe Biden's undersecretary of state in charge of Ukraine, and she knows a lot about Ukraine. In 2014, Toria Newland engineered a coup in Ukraine in the name of democracy, of course. So she is a highly informed source about Ukraine. So she was having this colloquy with Senator Marco Rubio of Florida during her testimony. And at one point, Rubio took a tack that we were not expecting at all. He asked Newland if Ukraine had biological weapons. We never imagined Ukraine would have biological weapons. Why would Ukraine have bioweapons? So it seemed like a pretty strange question. But it wasn't half as shocking as the answer he got. Watch what Toria Newland said. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. 
Does Ukraine have biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has biological research facilities. What? You mean secret biolabs? Like the secret biolabs Ukraine definitely doesn't have? Ukraine has those? Yes, it does. And not only does Ukraine have secret biolabs, Toria Newland said, whatever they're doing in those labs is so dangerous and so scary that she is, quote, quite concerned that the so-called research material inside those biolabs might fall into the hands of Russian forces. Trying to use profanity on the air to describe our reaction, our jaws dropped. Let's leave it there. Under oath in an open committee hearing, Toria Newland just confirmed that the Russian disinformation they've been telling us for days is a lie and a conspiracy theory and crazy and immoral to believe is in fact totally and completely true. Whoa. You don't hear things like that every day in Washington. Talk about a showstopper. And a dozen questions instantly jump to mind. What exactly are they doing in these secret Ukrainian biolabs? Ukraine is the poorest country in Europe. It's hardly a hotbed of biomedical research. We're assuming these weren't pharmaceutical labs, probably not developing new leukemia drugs. From your answer, Tori Newland, we would assume, because you all but said it, that there is a military application to this research, that they are working on bioweapons. Again, your answer suggests that. Why would we fund something like that in Ukraine? And why didn't you secure the contents of these biolabs before the Russians arrived as you knew they would? And then why did you go out of your way to lie to the American public about all of this? If the quote research materials in these labs were to escape somehow, and you seem very concerned about that, what would be the effect on Ukraine and then on the rest of the world? How can we prepare for the consequences of that, this thing that you're worried about? Shouldn't we be preparing? Because as it turns out, we've just spent the last two years living with a pathogen that began in another foreign biolab funded by the United States government secretly. So this question is on our mind. It seems fair. Now, that's some of what we would have asked if we were U.S. senators, which we're not. Yes, there's a time limit. Time limit be damned because this is kind of important. But Rubio did not ask those questions. Instead, he changed the subject and told us once again that Vladimir Putin is bad. Watch. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100 percent it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. <laughs> okay, just get a pen. It's a classic Russian technique to blame on the other guy what they are planning to do themselves. That's what Toria Newland said. We almost laughed out loud. So what you're saying, Toria Newland, if, for example, you were funding secret biolabs in Ukraine but wanted to hide that fact from the people who are paying for it, in whose name you were doing it, then you might lie about it by claiming the Russians were lying about it. In other words, you might mount a disinformation campaign by claiming the other guy was mounting a disinformation campaign. Is that what you're saying, Tori Newland? It's pretty funny. What's not funny is that this is all entirely real. We invited Marco Rubio on this show tonight to tell us what he knows about these biolabs. He declined to come. That invitation remains open. In the meantime, let's review what little we do know about this. We're going to start with a spokesman for the Russian Defense Ministry on Sunday. Now, we would never do this. We never played anything like this on the show before because, of course, we're Americans and we want to know what's going on. We ask our own officials, the people we elect and whose salaries we pay because it's our country. We don't go to foreign sources because we trust our own sources first. 
But when it turns out the people who represent us and run our government are lying to us and never apologize for it and doing horrific things in our names, then you have to open your mind a little bit and at least assess what other people are saying. So here was the Russian claim. Watch. During the course of the special military operation, facts were uncovered of the Kyiv regime mopping up traces of military biological program under development in Ukraine, financed by the U.S. Defense Ministry. Okay, so that apparently, we hadn't seen that until this afternoon we started poking around. That may have been the root of the conspiracy theories that the fact checks told us were Russian disinformation. Let's quote it. Military biological programs are under development in Ukraine, financed by the U.S. Defense Ministry. That's the Russian claim. Separately, a Russian foreign ministry spokesman said the Ukrainians are working on deadly pathogens, including plague and anthrax. Is that true? Now, obviously, we would not take Russia's word for that ever, but we don't have to take Russia's word for that. The U.S. Defense Department has a website that contains this media clip about the opening of a biological research facility in Ukraine in 2010. Quote, U.S. Senator Dick Lugar applauded the opening of the interim Central Reference Laboratory in Odessa, Ukraine this week, announcing that it will be instrumental in researching dangerous pathogens used by bioterrorists. The level three biosafety lab will be used to study anthrax, tularemia, and Q fever, as well as other dangerous pathogens. Oh, okay. Then the National Pulse dug up a 2011 report from the U.S. National Academy of Sciences that also explained that the Odessa-based laboratory, quote, is responsible for the identification of especially dangerous biological pathogens. So what we're doing, this is not the first time you've heard this story, We are funding the creation of deadly pathogens so we can study them and prevent people from getting infected with them, maybe? There are lots of examples of this. The U.S. Embassy in Ukraine has a handy webpage explaining that American and Ukrainian scientists have worked on a whole bunch of different experiments like this. Some of the projects include work on African swine fever virus, hemorrhagic fever virus, and various avian respiratory viruses. The interesting thing, the telling thing, is that the U.S. Embassy's website also contains links to fact sheets about America's support for biological research in Ukraine, but all those links are now dead. That's weird. It's our government. We pay for it. Again, they're there in our name, in the name of American citizens, but we can no longer read their webpage? How does that work exactly? They have no right to lie to us. The webpage is archived, thankfully, and the fact sheets show Defense Department funding to laboratories in Ukraine. So that looks like proof. It's not Russian disinformation, it's totally real. Sorry, USA Today, America's newspaper, it's real. You can look it up on the internet if you want. In the face of that evidence, the Pentagon is still lying about it. And in fact, they're repeating the same unbelievably stupid and now thoroughly discredited lies the fact checkers have told for weeks now. Here's the spokesman for the Pentagon, John Kirby, today. The Russian accusations uh, are absurd. They're laughable and uh You know, in the words of my Irish Catholic grandfather, a bunch of malarkey. There's nothing to it. It's classic Russian propaganda. And uh, and uh, I wouldn't uh, if I were you, I I wouldn't give it uh, I wouldn't give it a drop of ink worth worth paying attention to. Yeah, but but, uh, can you explain to us what has there been any relationship between the not not developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not happening. 
If I were you, I wouldn't devote a drop of ink to it. First of all, you didn't get to make that decision, Mr. Bureaucrat. We have a free press in this country. You don't get to decide. But you'll notice at the end of that, Kirby refuses to answer the question. Has there been a relationship between the US Pentagon and a bioweapons facility in Ukraine? And if so, what is that relationship? That's Russian disinformation. What's the answer? We're not developing WMD in Ukraine right now. Okay, got it. But why are we funding this and what exactly are we funding? We reached out to the State Department separately and they provided us with this very carefully worded statement. Quote, the U.S. Department of Defense does not own or operate biological laboratories in Ukraine. <laughs> not that anyone said they did. Continuing the quote, Under Secretary Newland was referring to Ukrainian diagnostic and biodefense laboratories during her testimony, which are not biological weapons facilities. What's the difference exactly? Continuing the quote, these institutions counter biological threats throughout the country. End quote. So that means nothing. You could describe our nuclear stockpile correctly as defensive. Our nuclear weapons are not designed to preemptively kill anybody. They're designed to prevent other people from killing us. But they're still nuclear weapons. So why don't you stop lying and telling us what's going on here? And why don't you more specifically tell us why you didn't secure these materials? So yes, we're funding secret biolabs in Ukraine, but they're diagnostic and biodefense laboratories that counter biological threats. Okay, if these are purely defensive labs, why was Torian Newland so concerned that Russians would get a hold of the materials from these facilities? Other world powers have come to the obvious conclusion. Again, we hate to do this, but under these circumstances, we asked our own spokespeople, they lied, we're going to the foreign ministry of China, a country we despise. Here's what they said today. They're calling on weapons inspectors to take a look at these facilities in Ukraine right away. Over the past two decades, the United States has been blocking the establishment of a verification regime to the Biological Weapons Convention and refused to accept the inspection of biological facilities within and outside its borders. The move has further aggravated the concern of the international community. We once again urge the U.S. to provide full clarification of its biomilitarization activities within and outside its borders and accept multilateral verification. Oh, they're putting Russian Chinese propaganda on the screen. Yeah, we did. We also put U.S. government propaganda on the screen. And the difference is we expect to be lied to by foreign governments. We're not globalists. We believe in one country. It's this country, the United States. We do not expect to be lied to by our government and we won't accept it. But let's get to the substance of what the Chinese government just said. And we never agree with the Chinese government on anything. But in this case, they make a fair point. We now know that dangerous biological agents, whether you call them weapons or not, is completely irrelevant because they can be used as weapons. Is a gun a weapon? Not when you're quail hunting. When you're in a gunfight, it is. It's a ridiculous semantic debate. Dangerous biological agents remain, thanks to the Biden administration, unsecured in a chaotic war zone. At some point, we need to know how that happened. Who made those decisions? We have a right to know. And let's hope someone in Congress, apparently not Marco Rubio, but someone else, will get to the bottom of it. But in the meantime, we pray that somewhere in the United States government, there is an adult who cares enough to get this situation under control immediately. What you just heard is an example of 
our concerns and fears that we are told again and again from people like the fact checkers that have been saying now for days, oh, there's nothing to this. It's a conspiracy theory and nothing more. When we have a member of our government in sworn testimony in a Senate hearing giving us factual information that proves it's not only going on today, but it has been going on. But wait a minute. There's more. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, a former member of our government, just a former member from the last couple of years, weighs in with Tucker to explain how serious this is. Don't go away. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. So I know you you heard that segment, that expose, which is exactly what it was. Our government has been funding, if not operating, at least paying the bills for approximately 30 biological weapon. Well, we can't say weapon. We're pretty sure that's what was going on. But let's just call it biological research laboratories, 30 of them in Ukraine. Now, it begs a question, what the heck? Do we need to do all that in Ukraine? Why can't we just do it here? Well, conventional wisdom will tell you there's always a reason for what our government does and not only what it does, but where it does it. Let's see what American law says about uh, biological laboratory research uh, in Ukraine. Well, hey, there's no laws over there 
that tell us what we can and can't do in laboratories. If we did them in the United States, guess what? We'd have to do it based upon U.S. law. Now, let me blow your mind a little bit. I have a family member that is actually a research doctor, a very educated doctor. And this family member happens to work in a laboratory. And guess who her boss is? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Guess where this laboratory, this research laboratory, this person works in? In Cambodia. Why are we doing research laboratory, biological research in foreign countries? It makes you wonder. You know who Tulsi Gabbard is, former member of the House of Representatives from Hawaii. She, um, she ran for president. And I got to be honest with you, she was a Democrat, but in most ways she is so conservative, she probably would have done a good job and maybe had a chance if she was running as a Republican. But of course, Donald Trump was running for re-election. But Tulsi joined right after this segment you just heard. Tulsi joined Tucker to talk about some of the ramifications of this that I haven't mentioned to you. This is just a short segment. Here's Tucker Carlson and Tulsi Gabbard. So it's without even going into the, what they told us was Russian disinformation is actually true. How concerned are you that Torian Newland is overseeing this war has just admitted there are unsecure bioagents, dangerous bioagents in Ukraine. I'm extremely concerned, as should be every American and everyone in the world. Uh, the seriousness of this situation really can't be overstated. First of all, she didn't say no when she was asked yeah. by Marco Rubio about there being biological or chemical weapons in Ukraine. So uh, if, if there were or are, obviously that would be a, a violation of the Biological Weapons Convention. Uh, number two, she, they're, they're categorically been trying to hide this, as you've laid out very, very well. And then once they were found out, rather than saying, hey, you know what, this is a, a critical emergency, it's a crisis, we have these pathogens in the midst of a war zone, yes. not just in one location, but between 20 and 30 labs in Ukraine, We've, this is a global crisis, we're going to take action immediately. This is how a responsible leader would react, given the crisis of this moment. But instead, what did they do? Her response to, to Senator Rubio was immediately start pointing fingers. We're going to preemptively start the blame game should anything exactly. happen to these pathogens and, and who knows what is going on in these labs. Before anything bad happens, just say, you know what, it's the bad guys. It's the bad guys who are responsible for this. It's, I, it is the height of irresponsibility, their response to this, the fact that they're covering it up, the fact that they aren't doing really what needs to be done. Because if unless this war in Ukraine ends right now, ends tonight, we face a, a very real certainty that one or more of these labs will be compromised, will be breached, and it won't just be the people of Ukraine who are impacted. We could face another cri global crisis when you look at a pathogen that could be released. We just went through this with COVID. Uh, we can't have forgotten this already. And once again, Agencies in the U.S. government, without our knowledge, are secretly funding research that, you know, imperils the world and no one is ever punished for. So speaking of no one ever punished, I wanted to get your reaction to this. 27 foreign policy heavyweights just signed yeah. an open letter calling for 
what they call a, quote, limited no-fly zone over Ukraine. Some of the people who signed it include former NATO allied supreme commander Phil Breedlove, U.S. ambassador to Ukraine William Taylor, former U.S. ambassador to NATO Kurt Volker, et cetera, et cetera. What exactly are they proposing, and is it a wise idea, do you think? Uh, it is not. Just, just one last thing on, on the danger of these of these labs that the U.S. is funding, not only in Ukraine and around the world. They need to be shut down immediately. They need yes. to be shut down immediately. They are insecure. They are posing a threat to the world. They need to be shut down immediately. Uh, on, on the no-fly zone that's being uh, proposed and encouraged by these so-called foreign policy experts, look, they're, they're trying to act tough. Tucker, they're trying to say, you know, we've got to do something. And, and I, I get it. There is so much suffering that we're seeing on our televisions all day and all night. And, and I get that the American people are frustrated because we want to see this end. Instead of our leaders doing the responsible thing and saying, OK, let's do our best to try to facilitate a negotiated outcome to actually end this conflict, a window of opportunity that President Zelensky opened up, you know what, just 24, 36 hours ago. Instead of doing that, they're focused on, hey, let's just do something, look tough, enact a no-fly zone, which would not help the Ukrainian people. It would make things worse. It's not going to help the American people. It'll make things worse. It'll drastically escalate this crisis and put our pilots directly against Russian pilots, putting us in conflict at war with Russia, the other nuclear armed power, pushing us, shoving us towards this brink of, of nuclear catastrophe and nuclear war that, that would destroy the world. Yeah, and Ukraine. You know, save Ukraine by destroying and it. Ukraine. So give me exactly. Iraq and Iraq, Libya, Syria, the, the list goes on and on. We've, we've got to learn from these lessons and, and stop this madness. So we're just getting this from the State Department. This is a tweet, and I want to, I'm reading this cold, but I want to run it by you. The United States does not have chemical or biological weapons labs in Ukraine. Then they put up a graphic that read, the U.S. is in full compliance with its obligations under the Biological Weapons Convention and does not develop or possess biological weapons anywhere. I can see about four holes in that. So if you were, I mean, so they're telling us they don't own any bio labs in Ukraine. I don't remember, I mean, one of the tells to lying is when you answer a question no one asked. I don't think anyone's suggesting exactly. the US government owns bio labs there, right? That's right, that's right. But, but you pointed to evidence, and we've seen through different parts of the world, we saw in China uh, how the US is funding this research or these labs to the tune of hundreds around the world. Why? That question yeah. has never been asked or answered by them. Say, why, why is it? Why, why is this research something that, that is so critical, not done in secure labs within the United States? Uh, why is this research being outsourced? Um, there, there are so many different questions here, and all of it points back to really the risk that this is posing. Again, this is something that is fresh in our memories. And if, if they have nothing to hide, why are they trying so hard to hide it? Well, they said, well, they've already admitted it. I mean, the Undersecretary of State, Undersecretary of State just admitted it under oath yesterday. So, like, right. let's let's right. not let them pretend that this is like we're carrying Putin's water again or something. They're such liars. Ugh. I appreciate having yep. an honest person on this show. It's such a relief. Tulsi Gabbard, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Pretty um, eye-opening when you listen to Tulsi Gabbard. She is a military veteran, was an officer in the military, and actually in a time of war in Afghanistan and Iraq. She sees it, and that makes a big difference. 
most of the politicians, you know, we, we just take for granted when we hear any of our politicians stand up and speak to us just because of who they are. Not really who they are, but the title they hold. We just take for granted everything we're hearing is factual. Well, guess what? We're finding out just based upon what you've heard today. <laughs> we're not hearing the truth in many cases. And it seems like the way for us to judge whether or not we're hearing facts from our politicians, this is horrible to say, but if they scream and holler back at us with their answers, make a lot of noise, and really push back against questions that we do ask, there's something going on there. They're not telling us the truth. Wow! Who would have ever thought in the middle of the Ukraine invasion by Russia this biolab thing is taking on a life of its own. And folks, we could spend the rest of the show today talking about the what-ifs. We're not going to do that. But I thought it was very important for you to understand this has been going on, and not just for a year or two. It's been going on for decades. And it's been happening supposedly for the good of the United States of America. But folks, let me just tell you this. You cannot convince me with facts that there is any good that will come from us on our own developing any type of biological weapon. In fact, if we are getting into that line of reasoning, the only justification for doing anything like that is to only research to find the weapons to use against biological weapons, if they should ever be used against us, like they have been previously and really have been in some other countries. In fact, we've stepped in when that happened. Defensively is the only reason we should be doing that. And don't even try to tell me that we had 30 laboratories in Ukraine that were doing that biological testing to find defensive measures we can use against potential biological attacks. Let's segue away from that. We'll leave it alone. Let's move on to the big stories of the day. Old circle back, Jen Psaki, she had to weigh in this morning on the bioweapons story. Well, she did weigh in. The foreign ministry of Russia claimed on Tuesday the nation's military had confirmed the existence of American-funded biological labs in Ukraine. Yada, 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 yada. Well, U.S. Undersecretary of State Victoria Nuland, you heard her in there with Marco Rubio. She confirmed it. She confirmed it. Saki issued a lengthy statement on Twitter rebuking Russia's conspiracy theories, asserting that the U.S. has been in full compliance with its obligations under the Chemical Weapons Convention and the Biological Weapons Convention and does not develop or possess such weapons anywhere. The official statesperson for this White House, for President Joe Biden, doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? Saki said, we not doing it. We're good boys and girls. We're not doing that. <laughs> uh, there are so many times when we hear stuff coming out of this White House and any White House that pretty much is just smoke and mirrors. By the way, talking about the latest ceasefire, there's been a, 
uh, couple of day meeting to try to come up with a real ceasefire. You know that thing where everybody quits firing, commits to quit firing, and then quits firing over a 24-hour period. And both of them so far, Russia's just blown the ceasefire apart. It's crazy what's going on over there, and I can't get my arms around it. But they're really struggling, they being the Russian army. Uh, stories are coming out that they they don't have enough soldiers, that over 90-plus percent of all their resources have already been engaged in the Ukraine conflict. Russia's defense ministry acknowledged yesterday late that some conscripts, in other words, people that were drafted, are taking part in the conflict in Ukraine for Russia. And that comes after Vladimir Putin himself denied reports and said, only pros We only use professional soldiers. We've actually seen pictures of Russian soldiers, folks, that if they're 15 years old, I I couldn't believe that it would be. I mean, boys are fighting that war. Unfortunately, we have discovered several facts of the presence of drafted Russians and units taking part in the special military operation in Ukraine, Practically all such soldiers have been pulled out to Russia. That's from the defense ministry. Russian officials said they're launching an investigation. (laughs) I guess so. Mothers are telling us their sons have been calling them and saying they're being forced to sign contracts to serve in the Russian military. We believe it's wrong to force a conscript to become a contract soldier. That's from Olga Larkina, the director of Russia's Committee of Soldiers Mothers, and she was speaking to Russian media. The parents who have gotten in touch have told us their sons were just taken by military officers, stamped, and that's it's now they are contract soldiers. Putin, he issued a statement through state media that neither conscripts nor reservists are being used in the conflict. It just it just confirms, folks. It's a really tough thing going on right now. We hear the story from the side of the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian military. And I mean, this was an unprovoked invasion. The Ukrainian people didn't do anything. Yeah, Vladimir Putin said they were committing genocide against Russian born and raised citizens. No evidence ever presented. Nobody in the world has seen anything like that. But that was an excuse for him to invade the country. And it's just blown up over there. This may be the stupidest battle, the stupidest war that's ever happened in world history. And speaking of stupid things, you know that big lie from back in 2020? What was the big lie? Well, that was a term that was given to any conversation that questioned the validity of the results of the 2020 presidential election. And if you even talk about it, you're accused of being uh, uh, a MAGA person. You're accused of being an evil Republican, a conservative. And you're telling the big lie. After the 2020 election ended when Trump was defeated, the Federal Cybersecurity Agency declared it was a perfectly secure vote. Months later, federal prosecutors admitted 
Two Iranian nationals hacked into one state's database and stole the identities of 100,000 voters in an effort to influence the outcome of the election. Likewise, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers declared it was outrageous to think his state's 2020 election needed to be investigated. Guess what? Now, two separate courts, two different ones not connected, have concluded that state election regulators illegally changed the rules and that allowed tens of thousands to cast ballots in an unlawful manner. And that probe that ever so stubbornly resisted just provided evidence of fraudulent vote-collecting operations that exploited vulnerable residents across the state of Wisconsin in nursing homes. Georgia's elections chief has expressed confidence to this day in his state's declaration that Joe Biden won the election in, in 2020. But guess what? He now admits the state's largest county ran a vote counting operation so dysfunctional that the state may take over the county voting process, the, the whole thing. He also has launched a probe into potentially legal ballot harvesting that he says may result in prosecutions. And then, of course, there's Arizona, one of the first states to move to no-excuse mail-in voting years ago. They have now begun an urgent effort to return to traditional in-person voting with paper ballots. After investigations called into question, more than 50,000 votes cast in November of 2020, tens of thousands more verification signatures. For more than a year, Democrats and their allies, in the media of course, have decried what they call the big lie. The big lie that America's 2020 election was flawed or it was stolen. But every week now it seems, revelations are emerging across the nation that the election was in fact marred by illegal voting, irregularities, mismanagement leaving a nation increasingly doubting the reliability of our election system. And so it's trickled down to the American people. Go figure. That's where elections are supposed to begin, right? A poll conducted last week found that 40% of Americans no longer believe in the legitimacy of the winner of either of the last two presidential elections. That's a stunning number for a country globally held as the gold standard for constitutional republics built on democracy. The last two presidential elections, that would be this one that made Joe Biden president and the last one where Donald Trump beat Hillary. (laughs) Republicans don't want to think about that one, do they? We have a lot of work to do, former Ohio Secretary of State Ken Blackwell said. And so I never sugarcoat this because there is substantial voter dissatisfaction with the lack of security of our ballots. And they're very concerned that folks who are voting are folks who are not eligible to vote. And so you can't have a system where illegal ballots negate the casting of legal ballots. That's the number one reason for me to make sure that these votes are really legitimate, legally cast voting. Let me give you an example. In my city, Shreveport, Louisiana, I know personally, 
a guy that I know and have known well for a long time, what he does in every local and state and federal election is he works for one of the candidates, whichever side he wants to work on in that particular election. And he will go to the candidate quietly. I had a conversation about this with names given on Sunday. The entire process explained to me, I had questioned it and thought about it and suspected it was happening previously, but a previous candidate sat with me on Sunday and explained to me how this person was doing it. He would sell the results of the balloting and the voting from dozens and dozens of nursing homes that he can take care of and guarantee that that candidate wins all of those votes in any of these elections. Do you think that only happens in Shreveport, Louisiana? So to that end, why not? Why not make it mail-in ballot only? Because if it's mail-in ballot only, it can be manipulated. Wisconsin State Representative Janelle Branchen said this, we need to make sure our voting rolls are clean. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a good thing to know, that everybody that is on the voting rolls at least is breathing. (laughs) They're not dead. At this point, there's no downside to cheating in Wisconsin. When you have a governor that's shutting down a lot of the things that we've thought in the past as Republicans and Democrats that would make a fair and transparent election, she said. Here are 20 of the most important revelations uncovered over the last 15 months about voting. Number one, a foreign intrusion. Federal authorities have confirmed, we told you at the top of this, two Iranian nationals hacked into a state computer election system, stole 100,000 voter registration, and used that information to carry out a cyber intimidation campaign that targeted Republican members of Congress. Also targeted Trump campaign officials and Democratic voters in 2020's November election in one of the largest foreign intrusions in U.S. election history. Hadn't heard anything about it, have you? The defendants were part of a coordinated conspiracy in which Iranian hackers sought to undermine faith and confidence in the presidential election. That's from a U.S. attorney, Damian Williams. The second, bribery. The former state Supreme Court justice appointed by the Wisconsin legislature to investigate the election, he found out that millions of dollars in donations to election administrators, not candidates, people that are running and operating elections in five Democrat-heavy municipalities, and the money came from the Mark Zuckerberg-funded Center for Tech and Civic Life. And the way it was handled, it violated state anti-bribery laws and corrupted election practices by turning public election authorities into liberal get-out-the-vote activists. The Zuckerberg-funded CTCL Zuckerberg 5 scheme would prove to be an effective way to accomplish the partisan effort to turn out the desired voters. And it was done with the support of the very people in government that were supposed to be guarding the Wisconsin elections administrative process. Also from Wisconsin, illegal ballot harvesting. 
Gableman also exposed an extensive vote collection operation known as ballot harvesting. And I explained it to you with the example that happens here in nursing homes. There's another ballot harvesting probe in the Peach State. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, he's announced he's opened a criminal investigation into the fact that supposed liberal activists engaged in illegal ballot harvesting. Bad signatures is number five. That's in Maricopa County in Arizona. More than 200,000 ballots, 200,000 with signatures that did not match voter files. Those 200,000 were counted without even being reviewed. That's more than eight times the number the county acknowledged before the audit. (laughs) Eight times the number. Oh my gosh. 50,000 Arizona ballots are called into question. And that's from an audit by Arizona's own Senate, officially called into question more than 50,000 including voters who cast ballots from residents they didn't live in. Illegal ballot drop boxes. A Wisconsin judge has ruled the widespread use of ballot drop boxes in 2020 was unlawful. It was against the voting laws of the state. Foreign voters found on Texas rolls. An audit of Texas voter rolls identified 12,000 non-citizens that are suspected of illegal registering to vote in nearly 600 cases in which ballots may have been cast in the name of somebody that's not breathing. Foreign voters found on Georgia rolls. In that same audit, Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, found more than 2,000 foreigners who tried to register to vote there, though none reached the point of casting ballots unconstitutional mail-in voting in Pennsylvania. They have concluded the state law that opened the door to no-excuse mail-in voting in 2020, it was unconstitutional. And that mail-in voting can only be enacted by a constitutional amendment. Novel idea. You're going to put legislation on the floor. Hey, guys, why don't you make sure before you vote on the legislation, the legislation itself that you're voting on isn't unconstitutional. Number 11 of the 15, more non-citizen voters. The Gableman investigation in Wisconsin found non-citizens had made it somehow under the state voter rules. The Wisconsin Election Commission failed to record non-citizens in the voter database, thereby permitting non-citizens to vote, even though Wisconsin law requires citizenship to vote. Number 12, Ballot chain of custody issues, which is a huge deal when you have so many mail-in ballots that are coming in. Georgia's Secretary of State's office opened an investigation into the handling of drop box ballots last November in one of the state's Democratic strongholds following a report that there were problems with chain of custody documentation in DeKalb County. And then there's all of the Fulton County, Georgia irregularities. That's Atlanta. Georgia's hand-picked election monitor for Fulton County, the state's largest voting district, documented two dozen pages of mismanagement and irregularities during the vote counting last November, including double scanning of ballots, 
insecure transport of ballots, and violations of voter privacy. Those revelations prompted the state to take steps to maybe put Fulton County in receivership and the state take it over. Errant vote counting again in Georgia. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp referred the audited November 2020 election results in Fulton County to the state election board after a bunch of reviews found three dozen significant problems with the absentee ballot counting, including uh, not very important things like duplicate tallies, math errors, transport data, incorrect signatures. Kemp's referral calls into question hundreds and hundreds of ballots in the official final count. Dirty voter rolls. Michigan State Auditor found that Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson failed to adhere to state election law by properly updating and reconcile their qualified voter roll. Illegal exemptions from voter ID in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled as many as 200,000 voters were allowed to illegally skip voter ID for absentee ballots by claiming they were indefinitely confined by covid when there was no such legal authority to do that. And by the way, if you don't know the numbers, I'll just remind you, Biden beat Trump by about 20,000 votes in Wisconsin. And folks, this list keeps going. I'm going to give you all of them. Illegal exemption from voter ID. Then number 17, uneven enforcement of election laws. Again, in Wisconsin, they identified more than 30 problems with the administration of elections, including unlawful orders, uneven enforcement of the law, and urged lawmakers to make sweeping improvements. More illegal ballot harvesting in Arizona. A half dozen people have already been indicted on charges of illegal ballot harvesting and approved by Attorney General Mark Bronovich that shows signs of expanding. Comes after the U.S. Supreme Court rejected Democrats' arguments and concluded Arizona's ban on harvesting was constitutional. Voter fraud in Michigan. Michigan has charged three women in connection with voter fraud schemes, including efforts to cast ballots on behalf of non-considering nursing home residents. More, even more voter fraud, nursing home fraud. In Wisconsin, Racine County Sheriff announced his investigators secured evidence that eight, eight of the 42 residents in one local nursing home had been recorded as casting absentee ballots. Their family said it was not possible because they didn't possess the cognitive ability to speak, write, or even vote. All of this, as a matter of fact, what you just heard, we're going to put it in a special offering at truthnewsnet.org and we'll publish that list that I just gave to you along with uh, hyperlinks to the sources where you can confirm what we said there. We're going to move away from this, but I thought it was important for you to know it's not the big lie. It's not a big lie at all. It happened, and it's going to continue to happen if we don't stop it. Novel idea. Let's get a bit primitive. In all 50 states and territories, let's go. Let's just go do our elections exactly like they do them in Afghanistan. It stops all voter fraud. How so, Dan? 
Well, everybody that wants to vote has to register to vote. And when it's time to go vote, they show up at their place where they are required to vote. They check in. They have to provide voter ID. Novel idea. It's okay in Afghanistan. United States, it's racist. Racism. You can't ask them a person of color Tell them they have to have a voter ID to vote. Well, they did when they go to your meetings. They have to go with a picture ID at any Democrat National Committee sanctioned event. But it's racist for somebody to require them to prove they who they are when they go to vote. Anyway, all this stuff is just absolutely crazy. There's no justification for it. If we don't get it straight, it will continue. In Afghanistan, to make sure nobody cheats, when you go vote, they find your name, they identify you, and before you even go into the little thing to place your vote, which, by the way, is a paper ballot, you stick your thumb on your right hand into an ink bottle, and the ink won't come off, won't wear off, for 30 days, purple ink. So you do that. Well, what are you going to do? Cut your thumb off if you want to cheat. Go to the next place and tell them you had an accident. That's how you lost that thumb. You give them voter ID at the other place. Of course, they're not hooked up to the computer, so there's no way to verify that that person's not saying it. That's so extreme, it's not going to happen. And if that happens. It would be very seldom, but we would know that everybody that voted was legally registered to vote. You think we would, uh, we would benefit from doing something like that? Let me tell you what the travesty in all this is. We can't trust our leaders. None of this happens without somebody in leadership uh, either supporting it when it's created or creating it themselves in an effort to tip the results of elections. I know Barack Obama told us elections have consequences and therefore it's critical to make sure that you want to get whoever you want to serve, get them elected, even if cheating is what it takes. It's okay. Real truth, real news, TNN. The Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle Snuggle. Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait, 
Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. If you missed the first hour of the show, don't you dare not go back and listen to the show. We listen to pretty much absolute proof that the United States has been operating biological development laboratories and pretty sure that at least part of what the laboratories were investigating, 30 different ones have been being used and operated and we have been funding them just in Ukraine alone. And of course, when the, um, the news about this actually happened, leaked out over the last week or so, the fact checkers went crazy. There's no such thing. It's fake news. It's a conspiracy theory. And yesterday, a member of Congress called a woman from the State Department and secretary, undersecretary, and asked her point blank if it was true. And she said yes. So therefore, we were hearing stuff that was true, even though it was debunked as being non-factual. There's some pending legislation that's uh, pretty important that you need to know about. And for once, folks, the Republican Party on the immigration issue has really stood strong and firm. They, uh, they really did well by blocking an appropriations plan by the Democrats to fund, I mean, rampant migration expansion. Business-backed pro-migration groups declared disappointment that they didn't get extra taxpayer money to bring even more wage-cutting migrants into the nation and uh, come into the nation and take American jobs. The appropriations bill is a huge disappointment. That came from Gregory Chen, the government relations for the American Immigration Lawyers Association, whose members make money by delivering consumers and workers into the United States. In fact, they make big money. Heidi Altman policy director at the Chicago-based National Immigration Justice Center said this appropriation, this bill, reads like a Trump bill. The bill provides funding for ICE detention. More deaths, more families separated, more pain, all needless, she said. The bill is Congress's blatant attempt to conceal and quickly pass a bill that continues funding the violence of immigration enforcement at obscene levels, all while hoping to evade public scrutiny and backlash. That comes from a business-backed coalition of progressive pro-migration groups, and they describe itself as the defund hate coalition. These complaints come as President Biden's pro-migration deputies are using their power within the agencies to import record levels of job-seeking, wage-cutting economic migrants, record numbers of visa workers for a bunch of blue-collar jobs and Fortune 500 white-collar jobs. Now, what's this all about? What are they trying to do? It's real simple, folks. The folks on the left have gone to big government, I mean big companies, not even just big companies, but companies that are really trying to find ways to cut cost. And the best way, the easiest way, to cut the number one expense of any major corporation, it's labor cost. 
is to find people that will work for the same jobs as the Americans, bring them in from out of the country, get them in here legally, and then pay them to do the same jobs that they're qualified for. These are mostly people from Southeast Asia, South America. They've got the education. They can do these jobs, but they'll come here for far less money. And the Democrats are putting that together. The GOP legislators blocked the Democrats' plan to pull more African migrants into our society to provide taxpayer-funded lawyers for illegal economic migrants and to issue more green cards to U.S.-based white-collar contract workers who took those jobs from United States graduates. They blocked Democrats' plans to cut funding for immigration enforcement and to take back prior spending on the border wall. You want to be careful to not overdo the praise, but certainly I'd say any Republican that was involved in the negotiating deserves applause. Didn't even know that was out there, did you? You know, when we concentrate so much of our energy and our attention on the horrors that are happening over in Ukraine, and that's what today's media is doing, we can only imagine. Just think about it for a second. What's going on behind the scenes they're not telling us about? What are they making all this noise for to divert our attentions away from? Well, one thing that it may be is the fact that recent commercial satellite images of North Korea's nuclear test site, the one that hasn't been working so, so-called, has been shut down. In fact, they said it was destroyed in 2018. Well, satellite shows the center has resumed construction going back into business. The analyzed satellite photos of this laboratory taken on March 6th appear to show two new buildings built to the site south between February and early March. Planet Labs PBC is an earth imaging company based in San Francisco. The Colorado-based Maxar Technologies took separate satellite photos of the laboratory site, and it shows similar evidence of construction at the nuclear test site. Jeffrey Lewis, Dave Schirmler of the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies published an analysis of the Maxar Technologies images of this laboratory in North Korea. The report detailed some very scary observations. And the bottom line is, folks, Kim Jong-un, he's got a weak president in the U.S. White House that he can't intimidate. Donald Trump's gone. He was the last one that could do it. And now he's saying, you know what? Russia's doing what they're doing in Ukraine. China's getting away with all kinds of things. I'm going to see what I can get away with. And he's building a military research nuclear weapons laboratory. And speaking of American corporations dealing with and finding ways to get some cheap labor, e-commerce giant Amazon, they're continuing to work with companies in China that have been credibly accused of using Uyghur slave labor. And that's Jeff Bezos, you know, Mr. Amazon. NBC News even reports it. Tells us that Amazon is working with these companies in China that have been using this labor 
A report from the Tech Transparency Project, which is a research group run by a nonprofit campaign for accountability, they found out that Amazon's list of suppliers include five companies that are linked to labor transfer programs in China. That's what they call them. That's where they transfer from living freely and they go to a concentration camp and work at slave labor prices. And what would that be? A buck or two an hour. You know what? There's legislation pending and and I'm not much on for clamping down for those that are involved in free trade, even when there's an international trade involved. But there's a movement going on in Congress to pass a law that requires Amazon and other American companies like it to give the source of every product that they make to the American public before you buy anything. In other words, if, uh, if we know that a product is not being made from one city in the part of China where the Uyghurs are held in concentration camps, it would make us feel better about buying from Amazon, but then question you know, is this really something I want to do? Is this credible? Should I be buying? Should I be dealing with somebody that is just basically supporting slave labor? Think about it. What's the incentive for China to stop doing something when the United States is funding it? Same kind of thing we talked about the first half of the show today about those biological laboratories. If there's no problem with what's going on, If there's no evil there, if there's no illegality going on on either side of our country, China to the West and what's going on in Europe, why hide it? Why not do it all here? Well, it's cheaper to do it elsewhere, yeah, and it's easier to take advantage of people. And if something's out out of sight, what's that old saying? If it's out of sight, it's out of mind. If it's not... In the continental United States, we don't need to worry about it, right? That's not a good place to be. There's some news out of the litigation going on. Yeah, people in court regarding the January 6th stuff. And it's very enlightening. And guess what? You're not hearing about any of it from big media here in the United States. We're going to hear about it now. There's news out there that... Um, it kind of shines a light on the, the January 6th committee that Nancy Pelosi put together. Adam Schiff's right underneath her and everything going on there. And so because of that, you can imagine there's a bunch of bad stuff that's going on. And some of this is ending up in a courtroom. And some of what's happening in the courtroom is shining a light on some of the stuff that is going on in this January 6th committee and stuff that's been told to us, and it's not true. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. We may 
not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. So what evil is there about the January 6th riot insurrection that happened back in 2020? Actually, 2021. Well, the Department of Justice, prosecutors in the DOJ, they walked back their decision to subpoena another child of one of those January 6th defendants, Guy Reffitt. They were going to call two kids of his to the stand after using his teenage son against him Friday as a witness. So what they were going to do, they planned to also use Refit's minor daughter as a prosecution witness before they found out their diabolical plan was going to backfire at the last minute. We reported yesterday, this is a story, that the Biden regime had coaxed a teenage boy, Jackson Refit, to record his father in the family home for eight days before turning him over to the FBI. This is crazy, folks, but it actually happened. The DOJ also intended to call his younger 17-year-old sister, Peyton. We're going to call her to the stand, but got spooked and threw her off their elite witness roster. That A-list included an abundance of Capitol Police officers, FBI special agents, and Reffitt's fellow militia members turned snitch Rocky Hardy, who traded his testimony for his own immunity. Peyton Reffitt, the teenage daughter of the defendant, she said this, I never felt threatened by my father. Peyton told us outside the courthouse in Washington, D.C. It hurts me so much that they're saying that. My dad has never touched us once in our lives. The only way he disciplined us was through yelling, sometimes even pretending he was mad, He was beaten by his dad as a kid and is against that. He would never hurt us. Her statement flies in the face of a big part of the trial narrative that shameless prosecutors, a.k.a. regime puppets Jeffrey Nessler and Riza Burkauer presented of Refit by using his teenagers as pawns against him. They told jurors that Refit was a man who physically threatened his kids to not talk to the FBI and implied he threatened to shoot them or shoot their phones if they turned him in for January 6th events he had told him about. Unfortunately, the 12 jurors never got to hear Reffitt's daughter's testimony. Prosecution pulled the plug on it and rested its case. Interestingly, his public defender attorney, William Welch Reffitt, 
did not call a single defense witness to the stand or jump on the obvious opportunity to put Peyton on the stand to defend her dad. Peyton said this, I'm so upset that my right was taken away to give my testimony of the truth. They had me on the schedule for Monday, but a couple of days before I spoke to the prosecution, I told them that I got to see more of my dad's vulnerability and his mind that Jackson did And so I was more able to understand some of the things he was saying at the time. I don't think they liked that. They realized that what I was going to say would help my dad and not hurt him like they were going to do. Peyton was terrified and anxious for months about this, her mom said. It was emotionally tolling on my daughter, but she was prepared and was going to make the most of it. Those close to the situation are still saying the government caught wind of the fact that Peyton was planning on saying she never felt threatened by her dad. And they were going to try to get her to say she was threatened when they had her on the stand. It seems they had manipulated or coached her to some extent at least and expected her to say her father threatened her. They realized she was going to say her truth after speaking with her Friday and axed her off their witness list on Monday. So the uncle, Reffitt, weighed in. Peyton was saying the prosecution was feeding her what she needed to say on the stand instead of Peyton, in her own words, describing the events. She said she was not going to say what the prosecution was telling her to say. I'm very sure they coached Jackson as well. That's what they decided not to put Peyton on the stand because she was not going to do what they wanted her to do. So once the prosecution removed Peyton from their list, realized she was of no use to them anymore, they forgot all about her and literally left her in a coat closet at the courthouse. That's her mom talking now. Guy Reffitt was charged with multiple crimes for January 6th and including using physical force or threatening to use physical force against his children, Jackson and Peyton, to hinder, delay, or prevent their communication to a law enforcement officer or a federal judge. Now, he's charged with that. Now, let me ask you this. This guy supposedly created or did some kind of nasty event during the January 6th insurrection, uh, protest, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But he wasn't charged with that. He was charged of using physical force or threatening to use physical force against his own children to stop them from testifying. Where did that come from? I mean, folks, you're not supposed to be arrested without whoever the arresting officer is having credible information that says you committed a crime. And that means evidence or a reasonable assurance that there is evidence to back up what you are going to be charged with. They weren't prosecuting him for stuff he did on January 6th. It was later. All the evidence and recordings the prosecutors presented were taken out of context. This is according to the 24-year-old sister of Peyton and Jackson. She said, as an example, when dad said traitors got shot, 
He was not threatening my siblings. He was absolutely not talking about my brother and sister like the DOJ, the media, and prosecution keep implying. He said that in the context of a different discussion, and they keep manipulating it. He was telling us about how people in certain countries can act like traitors. We are my dad's whole life, and the only thing he cares about is us. us. I love and miss my dad so much. They still have him in jail. He's still in jail, folks, and they've charged him for this, using this against him. What in the heck is going on in the Department of Justice? I mean, this sounds like Soviet Union KGB kind of stuff. Let's create a crime after the fact. We know you weren't at the site, and okay, well, you may have been there, but we thought we would be able to trump up charges against you and get evidence, get somebody to testify in court that you were really doing illegal criminal things when you were there. We can't do that, so we're going to go get your kids and we're going to squeeze them. We're going to talk to them and tell them they've got to testify against dad and say that dad was telling them, giving them information about really doing horrible criminal acts on January 6th and that he threatened us if we didn't talk to you and tell the full truth, he was going to do evil stuff to us. That is actually happening right now today. in the United States of America. And there's always bad stuff that you can talk about that's going on. There's a a pretty incredible story going around that talks about some bad stuff that's happening regarding school curricula. Through teacher training lectures with titles like cultivating anti-racist and activist in kindergarten, decolonizing the minds of second graders and the white people way, the nation's leading accreditation association for private schools, folks, is instructing our educators to adopt a race, essentialist, and cultural Marxist curriculum for children as young as age five. It's the National Association of Independent Schools. It's been around a long time, and it's supposedly very credible. It's the NAIS. They host professional development conferences for teachers, and they do it in schools throughout the private school network. And these teachers, these hosts, which promote a race-based curriculum and grading system, including tips on how to avoid transparency with parents. This is what they're teaching at these conferences. The Principal Professional Development Conference hosted by NAIS for Teachers, it's called the People of Color Conference, was started by educational diversity equity consultant and former NAIS director of diversity, a guy named Randolph Carter. He's a self-described Black Panther. Not kidding. The NIS People of Color Conference is the flagship of the National Association of Independent Schools' commitment to equity and justice in teaching, in learning, and sustainability. 
for independent schools. What does this tell you, folks? It tells you that the left is scared to death. And they are realizing that trying to turn the American population away from real truth, real push for equality for everybody, and that we are rejecting in large part, we being the American people, the push that requires equity to replace equality. What's the difference? Equity can be manipulated by people. Equality is just like the truth. It exists in a vacuum. It is what it is, and it can't be changed. Equity is promised to every person in the U.S. Constitution, actually in the preamble. So what that means is, and accordingly it says it, it's stated this way, that our rights are endowed endowed to us permanently, not by our government, but by our creator. And they've been going after public schools now for years. We all know that. We have evidence all over the place. We talk about it all the time. But it's now in our private schools. That's a scary thing. All right, folks, Thursday's in the books. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the show. We love having you. Man, I can't wait till tomorrow. There's so much going on that you need to know about. We all need to know about. We all need to get to the truth. Everything you hear here, go vet it. Find out for yourself if it's fact or not. We want you to do that. Until we get together tomorrow, folks, you have a great Thursday. See you then. The song came and went Like the times that we spent Hiding out from the rain Under the carnival tent I laughed and she'd smile It would last for a while You don't know what you got Till you lose it all again Listen to the So
wheels spin And I think about her when I hear that whistle blow I can't change my mind Oh, I knew all the time that she'd go But that's a choice I made long ago Oh 